to the party, everyone. Welcome to the listening party with Adam and Mike. Don't know why I'm doing it in this voice, I Adam. What, I don't, I don't know. know. And yeah. I'm not. I'm not going back and changing it. It's, just, it's happened. It's happened, Adam. Yeah, we've all got to live with it. Yep. <laughs> Adam, how are you doing since we last partied? Uh, thrilled. So overwhelmingly cheerful. Wonderful. <laughs> what I'm a little reassured by, Mike, is that everybody that is in charge seems to be doing their very best and we've got our best people and that's all i'll say on the matter i for one that's i'm satisfied we have there's been times at the party we worried there wasn't enough balloons not enough uh bonhomie in the room sure yeah i was talking about i was talking about this notional party <laughs> yeah but yes the good times yes well if you're new to the party everyone it's very simple premise uh, I'm Mike. He's Adam. We Hello. just talk. We just talk about albums. One of us has picked for the week, and this week it has been my privilege to bring music to the party. For I have chosen Uti Lemper's "Punishing Kiss" from I the mean, year two thousand. Two observations. Uh, first of all, odd party, strange vibe. Mm, uh, no one ever said it was going to be. No, it's for a challenging party. <laughs> it's a mysterious, arcane <laughs> party. Uh, what I will also say is I remember you playing this years ago, uh, possibly around the year 2000 or whatever it was really, you said it was released. It's superb. It, it's so good. <laughs> it, it completely passed me by. I think basically I was, I had a distant memory of hearing a li- uh, fragments of Little Water Song mm. that you would play me periodically in your flat in like South London. And me going, yeah, yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, do do you want to do you want to put something put something on with a bit more pep? No chicken nuggets ready yet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really sorry your romantic life's crashed around your ears, but do you reckon we could listen to something with a bit of bit of zhuzh? <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> um, it's breathtaking, and I bought a copy. I love it. Fantastic. Um, spoiler alert: absolutely love it. The guy loves it, everyone, and you will too, I hope. So, I, if you don't, then I, I want nothing to do with you. What the heck? What on earth do you want from a record if you don't want this? And what I mean, is that a need of you? It's to quote Adam Buxton. I mean, the theatricality is super superlative. <laughs> <laughs> so, especially this more than any album we've done yet, I feel this needs a bit of context, Adam. Well, I mean, I don't know any of the context, so I. I Pour it over me like a rich sauce. Oh, ready the umbrella. So, if you're not familiar with Uti Lemper, she is a German singer and actor, very much in the vein of Amalina Dietrich. Uh, Liza Minnelli. Yes, Uti Lemper. Uh, she uh, rose to the ranks kind of in European musical theatre. So she was in an original Viennese version of Cats, in a version of Peter Pan, um, versions of Cabaret in Chicago. I think she actually won awards for uh, Turner's Thelma Kelly in Chicago, in London and New York. Uh, but she's also from that kind of German cabaret tradition of singing Kurt Weill, and uh, oh, what's the other fella's name? I can't remember. Um, Bertolt Brecht, kind of in that tradition of in that sultry chanteuse style singer. And um, up until Punishing Kiss, she'd been kind of she wrote, came to fame in the eighties, and then through the nineties, very much just playing up to that smoky 
barroom vibe making albums which were both weird and mysterious but also kind of more operatic and theatrical and then Punishing Kiss which came out in 2000 was her attempt or certainly her manager's attempt to get her doing some pop musics so well I I will say that was an almost total failure but um... (laughs) I mean because doing some reading for this album because it, it seems this is such an obscure album there is virtually no making of material of it on the net so there's like one electronic press kit on YouTube and in it she does say oh I was out to work with some of uh, the great pop writers of the time so <laughs> Gavin Tom Waits Nick Cave Elvis Costello and Scott Walker you know those right on the zeitgeist pop artists yeah I mean don't get me wrong that's very much a who's who of people I'm interested in but um I'm not going to say they're well they're not Packing them in at the discotheques. I mean, they're not, not. They're Brit- not right. They're not floor fillers. Not Britney and Justin in two thousand. Put it Ew. that way. But yeah. So she's put together this this album, and because of her reputation as this global singer with great renown, she's managed to just get world class legendary writers to feed her material for this. So a lot of this, other than she does a few Kurt Vile songs, but other than that. She's got songs written specifically for her by, and this when I first heard this in 2000, this was like a list of people. I was genuinely listening to nothing but Nick Cave, Tom Waits, Scott Walker, when you've got some Elvis Costello on there, uh, Philip Glass, The Divine Comedy. Actually, the year 2000, we weren't, we weren't listening to these things. No, we no. We, we hit upon, or you hit upon this album years later, because I've oh, yeah. just realised that in the year 2000, I was 15. So we must have, we must have, you, again, must have discovered this as just a little hidden gem secreted in the Tom Waits catalogue. I oh, would I assume got... it was Tom Waits. I think it was Scott Walker who got me into this. Ah, because... it would be one of them three, because I, I went through, I'm still in my Nick Cave obsession, and I very much did a Tom Walker and Scott Tom Walker and Scott Waits. Mercy. Well, flip those names around, you get it. Uh, I had very much uh, love affairs with both those artists. I'm pretty sure because Scott Walker's stuff was so thin on the ground, I think I really went in deep to try and find more of his weird stuff. And I think that's where this popped out from. And then it really was a case of, yeah. I don't, why isn't this album more universally known given the talent involved in this? I mean, apart from Philip Glass, his contribution, Streets of Berlin, which he's fully sanctioned for her to then sing, um, I think that was originally written for another musical. All the other songs on here are written for her and specifically kind of gifted to her. Now, fine, yes, except, and that may well be what they all believe, except if you listen to this record, I don't know, hypothetically, it's on in the car, you're driving, you can't look at the case. What you hear is, ah, it's a Nick Cave song, except that Newsy Lemper is singing it. Ah, this must be the work of Scott Walker. They they can't help themselves. They were just writing. But, they were writing right. very much in their own milieu. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and when you listen to it, knowing that her backing band on this album is basically the Divine Comedy, you can just hear those Father Ted guitars at times. Yeah. Like, ah, that's Divine Comedy guitar. I love the fact that I'm pretty sure the Tom doesn't the Tom Waits one actually have a little uh, whatever you call those things. You know these. Accordion. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Of, of course, it's got an accordion in it. I mean, yes, that, that it, 
well, for, for good or bad, it depends how much you enjoy those artists. Luckily, we oh, enjoy I mean, those artists. But I you was, can absolutely... When Scope J came on, and I mean, <laughs> obviously within seconds, you're going, okay, I'm pr- I didn't remember that Scott Walker's contributed, but hang on. Yeah, this sounds very much like him. And then the first line is, the Russians are going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty Fast. sure. This cordon, 10 minutes long. That sounds like Skywalker. Yeah. yeah. Our boy's been in town, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lyrics that are hazy and mysterious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that is kind of... It's, there's no uh, no prizes for guessing, matching each artist with their respective song. They're very much... Oh, that, that'll be the Tom Walker. Oh, I've done it again, Adam. That'll be the Tom Waits one. That'll be the Elvis Costello one. Yes. Um, and we'll go into this more, but I, I really do feel like the, the Elvis Costello ones on here suck. No, you're wrong. Really? I thought we'll that. Go- well. I thought that as well. And then ah. uh, ch- I ch- well, I changed my opinion on Passionate Fight. Ah, all right. Well, let's let's start the album then, because oh, let's because this album opens up with a song, Adam, and I I do not use this lightly. A song I think is close to perfect. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's uh, Little Water Song, which is the one and only Nick Cave contribution. <laughs> yeah, I've written a song. Uh, it's about, I think it's about, a, I mean, I'm not sure, but I think it's about a lady who's dead. <laughs> and Uti is uh, very much inhabiting the role. <laughs> you don't want to give it to me, Nick? Next <laughs> about guilt. Um, No, I, I think you'd do a wonderful job, Blixer. I think you would, but... um. I, th- I think it's actually quite important that this is uh, portrayed by an actual woman. Um, we don't, I mean, and I don't want to give it to one of the McGarrigal sisters because you remember the absolute train wreck they made out of a sweet hot cum. Vaginas are wounds. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> Blix- Blixer, mercy. <laughs> Blixer. Uh, it's absolutely wonderful. The I've only got one criticism of the whole shooting match, and that's that um, it's completely unrepresentative of the rest of the album. Yes, it, it could almost stand at the end of the album as a bonus track. Yeah, I mean, that and Scope J don't fit, whereas no. the others, uh, there's, 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 yeah, they, they have things in common. But that it sounds exactly like, you can completely and totally imagine Nick Cave's voice singing that oh yeah i mean i think and it's one... even got that um, that guitar sound yeah i think one of the main differences with this song it, there's no percussion in it it's a full fully orchestral song oh, of course uh, there isn't yeah yeah i haven't even noticed and uh, yeah and and as it was nick cage's once at the time it's a murder ballad yeah, so, yeah. yeah i mean i do think was this a leftover murder ballad or was it something he kind of knocked together booty lemper? Well, I think at this point he'd got his eye in and all he really had to do was get a headline and go, yeah, okay, so uh, right, so they did um, headed the die okay, drowning, probably, probably drowned right, what can I see we're underwater, there's some fish lovely. I mean, it's it's almost like a continuation of where the wild roses grow. Because in the video for that, he's putting her body in the water and everything. It's yeah, it's, yeah, it's, like, it's, it's almost the last, like the last three verses to where the wild roses grow. Yeah, it's almost like the sequel to it. 
Uzi, I want you to pretend that you're Kylie Minogue. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think I can pull it off? Yeah, I mean, when I read she was German, there was a horrible part of me that I'm not proud of that was thinking, is she going to sound like Nico? I hope she doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Nico or Alo Alo? I don't want either. (laughs) And she she rose to the occasion. (laughs) You want me to be Kylie? I mean... (laughs) That that's just a bastardized Schwarzenegger for which I apologise. <laughs> also close to Blixer. <laughs> yeah. I'm, sure, very, I'm sure he said that many times to Nick. But Blixer, yeah. your accent. Um, are you aware that you sound like a bastardized Schwarzenegger? I just think you should perhaps. Um, I don't know. Maybe save that for Neubauten. And uh, on my records, maybe maybe it'll just be me and the McGarrigals from now on. <laughs> It's such a lovely song. I adore it. My own, yeah, like I say, it doesn't really fit. But I, this was the one that I, I mean, I became a bit of a zealot about this song and a bit of a bore in that I was just basically playing it to anybody that would listen. Ah, uh, good. Oh, it's spellbinding. Her voice is, is so rich and luxuriant, mm. but also it's so uh, flexible. So on this, she sounds like, well, she sounds like, she sings like she's haunting you. Yeah. It's wonderful. But this, so I play this for people and they, you know, because I was playing it for a cherry-picked or crack audience, they were thinking, oh, yeah, this is lovely. And then they put on, say, tango ballad. And you go, no, 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 that's equally good. It's just different. (laughs) But Little Water Song is, uh, well, two thumbs up, a gold star to all concerned. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a song that whenever it appears on my shuffle, I always end up listening back to it three or four times before I let it move on again. Uh, yeah, like you say, her voice, it's just, it goes from such tenderness to abject terror. And then I think this has one of the great final lines in any song ever when she says, and I glow with the greatness of my hatred for you, yeah. but in such a tender way. And the way the violins, they just descend in that final coda is some of the most spine-tingling instrumentation I think I can remember, just as the cellos just go down and down. And it, it really, and like the, the sound of the violins, and it actually sounds like bubbles underwater. And it actually, yeah. It's so evocative. And I love the fact he even has a Nick Cave touch in the title of being called Little Water Song, because when he can't think of a title, he just puts song on the end of things. Like yep. most of the Good Son album. And it, yeah, and it has kind of almost, which I find with Nick Cave's writing at times, it seems almost, um, it gives some charm to it where he uses phrasing, which almost sounds a bit silly. Like it, when she says things like, uh, tiny little fishes enter me. So I was like, okay, that's, you know, in, in a lesser writer or a lesser. No, no, I agree. You know, I'm always drawn to the line where it says, silver it is and filled with silver bubbles. Yeah. Now, one of the first, like, uh, things that, like you're asked to do as a as a writer is to avoid repetition. It's one of the rules is like you don't use the same word apart from like little filler words and connectors, uh, the twice in one paragraph because considered to have a lack of ambition. Mm. But he, a writer of his stature, is doing that entirely deliberately. It's wonderful. Uh, at least one of two references to breasts in the whole album. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, breasts are piled high. 
I, I do like the way as well he's included the refrain, Sir, you just take my breath away. Yeah. I don't know why, but I like the inclusion of Sir. And your head is a big red balloon is an odd line. Yeah, again, it seems childish and almost first draft. But again, it works because, you know, you just from underwater, you're seeing it in a cloud of blood or something like that. Uh, under here, I'm washed clean is chilling. Hmm. And it, within just three and a half minutes, it manages to just, it's a complete roller coaster of her vocals going from this uh, shock tenderness to like, you know, full blown aggression before it goes down again until her dying yeah. moments. And yeah, it's, it's a song I think is absolutely breathtaking. And it, it's one of those songs where you, you could actually just leave the rest of the album now and you could live with that song and it'd be a wonderful thing. I could happily take an album that sounded exactly like that for 40 minutes. Uh, oh, yeah. Like 12 songs of that would be absolutely fine. It almost makes the song itself that much more precious because it is only that one three and a half minute song. And that's the only document yeah. of that sound that exists. And it's like, oh, we must protect the song. Yeah. It's a, it's a precious but, thing. This is this is too good. Um, yeah. Neil Hannon doesn't have enough to do. So... Uh, that, that's it. That's it from me, Uzi. I hope you. I wish you the very best of luck with the rest of your project. Yeah. So we, it's just a one and done on Mr. Cave. There. He's, it's he's, a shame that's because that's a wrap on Mr. Cave. That was marvelous. It was the case continues is one that I didn't think was. I I, I like it very much. Uh, you can tell it's Neil Hannon because it's got that lines like, "If sex were an Olympic sport, we'd have won the gold." We'd have won is, the gold. It's a very good line. It's a great line. But it's a very Neil Hannon line. Mm. Speaking of, throughout this album, what I've learned is I don't know enough about Neil Hannon. <laughs> what I've realised is, listening back to this, this is the best Divine Comedy album out of Divine Comedy's albums. Yeah, but is that, I went, is that true? <laughs> yes, from what I've heard. I've not listened to all the Divine Comedy, but I gave him a shot. Um, I did about four albums. and it's more than that. No, I... I, I oh, right, I see. Uh, I know that I know there's much more of that now, but um, yeah, I got a bit. The overall sound is quite whimsical, mixed with rock, and yeah, when you listen to too many albums like that, it gets a bit frustrating. One of the albums which I'll probably bring to a party at some point is a short album about love, which is a great album and has two bona fide masterpieces on it. Uh, and Casanova's fine, but some of the other stuff like Regeneration, Absent Friends, it all gets a little bit pingly pongly, which some of the songs on this album end up getting a bit and a bit too whimsical and offbeat and willfully so. I don't know to what extent this is a fair observation of Neil Hannon, but um, it appears that he's, I mean, I'm sure he's a very talented musician, but it appears that his first priority is lyrics. Mm. Like he's clearly an intensely literate man. Oh God, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, words I might, first. I mean, melody I would, second. I wouldn't deny him his chops or skills at all. It's just he's one of those people who I can appreciate, but it's not quite my tempo. It's not quite my vibe. But no, a lot of people do enjoy it, and that's absolutely you know that's your bag. You, well, you, you know, hope you enjoy it. But it's just well, one of those things where a, a little bit of divine comedy goes a long way for me. Based on these songs, I'm going to be doing uh, some listening. Oh, it's worth it. You'll probably find some gems in there. Eh, so I will. 
Yeah, case continues. I think it's a very strong follow-up. I mean, this this could easily also have been the opening track of the album. Do you know what I really like about this song? Mm. The drums later on, which I would describe as martial. Mm. As I this like song, as the song gathers pace, mm. as the basically as the trial continues, mm. it's uh, yeah, the the backing starts to sound even more, more and more militaristic. It, it really is cinematic this song it's got big sweeping orchestral vibes and but but now you've got some percussion for only like you said the big drums and it does pick up pace as it goes along oh yes, yes and, yes, and the, yes. The, the, the video for this is very well done it's it's one of those lovely videos where whoever created it edits it on the beat so as the the song progresses the cuts get quicker and there's a lot of action going on in oh, it. i'm gonna have to check that out and it's it, it's it's a, it's just your standard kind of Uti Lemper singing at people. Then she's in bed with a lover. Then she's doing a tango ah, dance with someone. A, a, a lover. lover. A lover. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's one of those videos. Like, oh, I like it when they edit it on the beat. The final cut went deep down to the very to sinew. 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 The case continues. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very big, impressive sounding song, and her voice in it as well. It just it soars like a mighty eagle. Yeah, her voice is a thing of beauty. Mm. It's just so flexible and powerful. And she's capable of enormous sort of sensitivity. And then just um, a quite unbridled power. Yeah, and then at times camp as you like. Uh, yes, and then at camp as Christmas at some point. <laughs> yes. uh, I've just been, I just glanced at the lyrics to Passionate Fight, which I suspect we're going to have a mild passionate fight about. And I have been mishearing a lyric every single time. Uh, although I think you'll agree it does work. So the third line is of the fanfare of taxis that needlessly played. But for whatever reason, I have heard that as the fanfare of Dexies that needlessly <laughs> played. So, yeah, that's yeah. a bit incongruous. So I, I thought bit... Elvis Costello had taken this opportunity to really slag off Dexies Midnight Runners. <laughs> as in the background to this horrible domestic affair, there's, oh, Gino. <laughs> The fanfare of Dexys, needless. <laughs> oh, Gino. Uh, also, was wearing denim as a big house, and <laughs> Kevin Rowland. Inexplicable, uh, man. I, no, I thought Passionate Fight was, uh, a, compared to the rest of the album, a bit mad. But as sometimes happens, there is one lyric, apart from the one that I've been mishearing, that um, just made me think, completely rethink the whole song. When she says, she says now this isn't love, it's what you do in spite of it. Mm. And I thought, ah, oh, I've been completely misjudging this. It's, it's a, a fabulous song. It's so sensitively written. And there's just that switcheroo when you think... Uh, you know the way newspapers say things like a passionate fight and what they're really describing is domestic abuse was my reading of it mm. when they say things like a lover's tiff or a sex game gone wrong <laughs> and again what they really mean is horrible 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 men <laughs> being awful yeah I mean that's that's a lot of what this album is about as well in a way is awful men and, yeah. yeah awful men I'm, I think my thing with passionate fight is I think Little Water Song, The Case Continues, are such a, an outstanding left-right punch to the face to get you into this album. 
And yeah, then yeah. Passionate Fight, at least musically, goes incredibly middle of the road very quickly in comparison to those two songs, which is so sweeping and grand and bombastic. And then Passionate Fight is a little bit, yeah, yeah and, and Passionate Fight. And that's absolutely fair. That is a completely fair but, assessment. But lyrically, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a beautiful song. Elvis Costa is a great writer, but I, it's one of those ones where I think that Neil Hannon and Jody Talbot, as producers on this, just, just uh, you think not, they may have undersold it? Yeah, and I think I think that of the three Elvis Costellos on here, I think they all sound like they're from the same clung like chunk of recording sessions where they all apparently were listening to Terry Wogan that day and being all having a very lovely time, as opposed to. Can we get some orchestra? Yeah, you know, can we get an orchestra in here and make yeah. it sound very spooky, like a Scott Walker? Can we have something bigger? Darker. Yeah, darker. yeah, yeah. I think, and it sounds almost a little bit um pa pa um pa pa. It's very jovial in its tone, and after the, the drama of the first two songs, it just comes a bit across as a bit like this is a bit wishy washy. Yeah, uh, they don't. The music doesn't necessarily uh, fit with the darkness. Of the of the lyric. Now, the next one, Tango Ballad. Ballad, the uh, the illegitimate son of J. G. Ballard. Yeah, that was a that was a cerebral one. <laughs> the illegitimate song of J.G. Ballard is a song. <laughs> yes, Tango Ballard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I grew weary of writing dystopian fiction, and um, I'm afraid I had an affair with a limerick. <laughs> oh, Mr. Ballard, you're welcome to the party. <laughs> and regrettably, uh, Tango Ballard. The illegitimate sprog was uh, was hashed. Tango ballad is great, and I I'll tell you for why we've we've criticised Mike for the last couple of episodes songs where the singer is too high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't it nice for Neil to say, "All right, maybe I'll throw you a bone. I'll sing in that slightly lower register." So. <laughs> Hey, when you're uh, driving along on the way to work, you can uh, you can absolutely join in with this one, and join in I did many many times. Yes, he, he, there's a lovely kind of drunken drawl to his. Yeah, there is. There was a time now very far away. Yes, I believe this is a, a Kurt Vile. Did he? It may. When we set up together. I and she is the the way the the, the the fact they put the I and the she the work that way around. Yeah, just to dis- subtly imply the, the me. Yes, probably me first. The man first. Okay. I got the brain. And she supply the breast. So it's a song about a couple who are essentially he he the pimp, she the woman of the night, and it's. A song about their the, 
thinking back on their lovely times together, having that arrangement in the brothel. So in the whorehouse where we used to live, yeah. In the whorehouse where we used. So you know, he, he goes. He takes himself away for an evening. Come any time you fancy her. And, and it's a two-hander. It's it's a very it's a very theatrical song. You can almost you can imagine this one being sung on stage with them, almost in costume. Training yeah, I mean, we're going to sing it at your wedding, aren't we? Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who's the breast? <laughs> Come on. Come on. Um, because I know for a fact that your lovely bride would find it enchanting to hear you <laughs> sing A Skirt is Nicer But No Skirt Will Do with a wink, with a wink. <laughs> Yes, it's, phrases like "I had the bruises up an arm for a year." I mean, it's one of those yeah, songs. That, it's, not, it's not a happy song. No, listening, but to it, it is a fun song. Listening to it from twenty twenty years, it's very much you have to take it in the the context it was written, and because there is also an element here where it's sung with. Uh, I was I was going to say a slight nod and a wink, a massive nod and a wink, and you go, "Oh, oh this oh, is a bawdy yes. song, isn't it?" Um, so there, I'd say in these times, there's actually probably an element there where it's kind of borderline offensive. This song, uh, I would say that it isn't actually. I mean, no, I, I, I don't think I, it is, but I could see an argument being made for that because I think it, it's a, it's a character piece, isn't it? So oh, absolutely, it is. Yeah, it's uh, it's not. If it was an autobiographical song, I think yeah. <laughs> Neil Hannon's but... not singing about that time him and Uti <laughs> jacked up and. Uh, it's a song about a time where I used to just beat the shit out of a prostitute that I lived with for a spell. Uh, in between, you know, going on tour with the Divine Comedy. Um, <laughs> it's like doing it, I'm sorry. <laughs> that didn't happen, everyone. That actually didn't. Yes, as t- to the best of our knowledge, Neil Hannon <laughs> the best has of our never knowledge. assaulted a prostitute. To the best of our knowledge, and we can't say fairer than that. Well, covered. <laughs> I would say Neil Hannon sounds like he's having a really, really good time on this song. And so he should be. Because it's enormous fun to sing. It is, yeah. It's, I know it's a, it's a, well, pitch black song, but it's it's it's, it, it's strangely sort of rueful and nostalgic, whilst be also being awful. Yeah, because the refrain of it is what we wouldn't give to live in that whorehouse where we used to live. Well, just to see it. it. Yeah, it, just, it, it's, it reminds me of, um, uh, what was it, uh, End of Lane Miz. What's the name of the, um, the crook? And, oh, uh, uh, Thenardier? Yeah, Thenardier. The yeah. Master of the House. Yeah, yeah it kind of has a it has a sniff of Master of the House about it. Yes, a little. A little. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and it, musically, you kind of got that. Again, that divine comedy, bow, wow, wow, guitar noise in there, thrown in for good measure. And, and the, the strings are very lovely, I feel. The way they um, just uh, fade in at the start. It's got an almost James Bond style sound to it, the orchestra. It does. I'll tell you what else. I don't know if it's because it, well, I don't, I, well as we've said before, neither of us particularly know anything about music. It's called Tango Ballad, so I assume it is a tango. Um, but the, the lyric doesn't start where it should start. Mm. So, you know, when you play it, uh, yeah. you you will start going, whatever the first line is, there was a time, now very far away, 
is you start doing that probably two bars early and then have to go, no, it's not, it's not, it's not that one, is it? Oh, there it is. And I don't know if that's because it's in an odd time signature or if it's because it's a tango or if it's because I'm thick. But none of the none of the other songs catch me out like that, which is a shame because it's this one where I really want to snap out on that first line. It's going to play Havoc with our karaoke night. It's absolutely good. <laughs> our karaoke night of domestic abuse and murder ballads. Uh, couldn't you keep that to yourself? Not really bothered. <laughs> no, uh, I've listened to this album many, many, many times, and I can never remember how it goes. Oh, it's actually it's, it's quite a lovely, but yes, yeah, still, it's, yeah. It's, um, I'm pretty sure it's an Elvis Costello one again. It is, yeah, yeah, and it, it's it's not as uh, yeah pleasant sounding as Passionate Fight. It's it's they definitely brought the orchestral stuff back in stronger. Um, but yeah, it's it's a much more mid-tempo song, straight telling, with some nice lyrics. And yeah, I'd say it's probably the most forgettable song on the album. It's it's. No, I'm looking at a different one. Sorry, this is a straight up Elvis Costello. Forgive me. We'll come to that shortly. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's it's quite a throwaway, I think, compared yeah, to it's... a lot of the record. I think because the rest of the album is so strong, um, it's it's almost it shouldn't be on here. Because at least Passionate Fight, I actually remember how it goes because it is so disarming in its sound after the first couple of songs. At least you remember it, and you remember every other song on here. Well, I do at least. And mm. I could couldn't you keep that to yourself? Is the one throwaway track on here for me? Where I'm just like, and I'm sure if I was to listen to it back and give it some time. To be fair, I have done. I've been listening to this album for years. There's probably a line or two in there that would stick out to me, but as a song overall, nah. It hasn't. It hasn't grabbed me. Mm. It's it's perfectly pleasant, um, but there's there's no there's no moment in it like passionate fights where I suddenly went, oh yeah, no, I've completely misjudged it. Mm. Um, and maybe there will be when I've listened to it some more. I've only been living with this album for uh, what since we last recorded, but. Uh, mm. Yes, and then it moves on to Streets of Berlin. Which... Streets of Berlin. And I like, I like the fact this starts to incorporate a bit more synthy, industrial vibe to it. And well, this... In fairness, I always assumed that Streets of Berlin was... Uh, I, I think it's got a very strong Tom Waitsy flavour to it. Hmm. The, the way they've, the, the instrumentation they've given it is, I think, I'm going to go ahead and say Waitsian. You think? I think it sounds a bit too big for a Tom Walker. Wow, why do I keep doing that? It's a Tom Waits. I don't know who, who is Tom Walker. Who is your, Tom Walker? What's your problem? What's my beef with this man? Um, Tom Waits, yeah. No, I think it sounds big, if, considering we've got a, a big music musical theatre star doing one of his songs. A Tom White song doesn't have to be delivered in that breathy way or <laughs> well, it's either or. <laughs> no, I was thinking more of the, um, the instrumentation side of it because this is one that gets as big as Gotham City. This one really builds and it, to, to a point where it's as it starts out, it always has a sound of like a, an underground train 
And then by the end of it, it builds so high, she's practically on top of a skyscraper singing out over the city. So you quite like it, then? Oh, yeah, I do. Uh, Yeah, and uh, I think originally this was written for... It's written by Philip Glass for the film Bent, which came out in the late 90s, and it was originally sung by Mick Jagger. Ooh. Oh, of Berlin. Oh! (laughs) I'm in the bar. Oh! In the city. Lucy oh, Lemper's far better. Oh, she's much better. I'm sure Philip Glass enjoyed her more. Oh, Philip Glass. Oh, always kind of sounds... <laughs> Isn't that what Philip Glass sounds like? Kind of like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like he's trying not to sneeze. Mick Jagger. That, that's how he did uh, Einstein on the Beach. Han, Han. Yeah, Streets of Berlin. It's it's. I like the fact it's got a more mechanical sound to it than anything else on the album so far. It, it's it's it sticks out as well. The same way Little Water song at the beginning. This is almost like the halfway point, and then you got another weird song pop up that sounds a bit not like the others. Yeah, one of these things is not like the others. Yeah. And then you got the parts you throw away. Yes. It, it is also at this point you realise, I don't know if this is an affectation or Uchenpa has a slight impediment because she definitely misses her R's on some words. I mean, it could be that she's got a slight speech impediment. It could just be that she's singing in a second language. Mm. Or as I, I believe she contributed the French lyrics to... Uh, one of the songs, so possibly even third language. Oh, je suis. That's correct, yes. I mean, then that's the type of thing that will get you through the door at those fancy parties that you're going to go to, because you'll be able to call them a soiree. Huh. However, I mean, then they'll speak to you for five minutes and you'll, you'll quickly be removed. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Jean Renault. The part you throw away is rather good, isn't it? Yeah, it's a nice one. It's a, it's a Tom Waits one. And I do definitely feel with the two Tom Waits numbers here, you can you can hear Tom Waits singing them. Yes, you can. You can. And it's um it's sort of early to mid-period Tom Waits. <laughs> yeah, and I'm pretty sure, I can't remember where, it might even be on Orphans, the, the free disc collection, but I, I think Tom has done versions of these. Well, I mean, why not want not? Yeah, wait, he, one, one he's, never, he's never thrown away a, an instrument in his life, so he's not going to throw away <laughs> the words either. Tom, that's a yogurt cup. <laughs> and then we end up with real gone. <laughs> uh, yes. Such a noisy, noisy album. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't write it. Oh, I like that song. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, it's you, the best song on the album, you, isn't it? You seem to be checking out the lyrics. Can you throw some lyrics out there? Because it, there's definitely some terms of phrase here that sound quintessentially Waitsian. Well, that's what I was looking for. So, I want that beggar's eyes, the winning horse. A tidy I want Me- beggar's eyes. <laughs> yeah, a tidy Mexican debauch. St. Mary's prayers, Houdini's hands, and a barman who always understands. Now, is there a more Waitsian lyric than a barman who always understands? Because at this point, I mean, 
he probably still was an alcoholic. <laughs> Email us your answers at the listening party pod at gmail.com. Will you lose the flowers? Hold on to the vase. Will you wipe all the teardrops away from your face? Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's pretty Tom Waits. Pretty Tom Waits, everyone. Pretty Tom Waits. I mean, it, it could only be more Tom Waits if, yeah, he was yowling over a junk shop orchestra in the background. <laughs> yes, yes, you got it. Sing like you're very far away. <laughs> <laughs> Or like you're a space cockroach trapped in a box. (laughs) 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 Welcome any listeners to our old podcast. (laughs) If you know, you know. I really, really like Split. (laughs) Good, because I really like Split too. It's probably in my top three songs on the album. Easily. I mean, yeah. let's be fair. It, it, it's looking a little bit like Little Water Song is the winner, isn't it? But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just, yeah, favourite song on the album, everyone. It's Little Water Song, which is unfortunate because it is the first song. So the rest of the album is a little bit of a downhill spiral. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really wouldn't. I mean, they couldn't have started with Scope J because many people wouldn't have continued to listen. No, but... it, it really had to be the final track. Yeah. But Little Water Song shouldn't have been pissed away in the, in the first slot. Mm. Yeah, no, but Split is just... It, it's just such a darkly joyous song. Yeah. Because it's a song about, again, a violent breakup, but it's got such a rhythm and propulsion to it, and it just... It does, and it's it also got my, my favourite ever lyric in it. Oh, it would, what would that be? Um... I was there for you, you were there for me, and him, and half of the Western world, it seems. seems. Half of the Western world. It seems. It is the addition of it seems, isn't it? Because that's a phrase you don't often hear, so. There's such a a lovely sort of arch (laughs) dismissal in it. Half of the Western world, it seems. Madam. So, yeah, it's probably worth saying that, again, this is a duet with Neil Hannon, the second on the album. And if anything, Neil Hannon's having even more fun on this one. He really is. He's having (laughs) a delicious time. And this one sounds even more Divine Comedy-esque. Yeah. This one's got, like, full-blown pianos being thumped and guitars all over the place. And an orchestra who just sound like they're having a ball as well. They sound like they're singing it kind of a stage apart and by the end they sound like they're clutching each other's arms just yeah, yeah. breathing at each other i could have had i could have taken a lot more of this sort of thing as well again yeah i would be happy with a, a good 30 minute album of this kind That's of sound just more of neil hannon going give me one reason why oh at the end they're discreet she is howling at him and he just keeps going just one more reason why and she's been so sort of um dismissive about the fuck i mean i love the when did you start to hate me i never meant to hurt you hate you but you made it so easy <laughs> oh you made fantastic. it much too easy yeah and in this one as well i think it's a nice um because on tango ballad he's he's the the chauvinist bastard on this one. I think she holds more of the cards in this situation. Yeah, it balances he, it up a little bit. Yeah, he, he's the spurned lover on this one. 
Yes. No, baby, that's not fair. There were two or three at most, but I don't like to boast. Oh, you make me sick. <laughs> when did you first deceive me? And again, we can sing along to it if we're doing Vanilla yeah, Hadden Pass. Because it's in an appropriate register for a, <laughs> for a normal, healthy, red-blooded man. It's about down here. It's also a register where everybody can convince themselves that they, they're really excellent singers, when really what you're mainly doing is just going, it's doing the Vic Reeves thing. <laughs> <laughs> Although in the shower, I will put on a show singing this song for myself. Yeah, of Do, sure. doing, yeah. doing both parts. And you've got that little puppet, haven't you? That you... <laughs> I want you to let that. <laughs> that oh, weirdly, you're doing it with that puppet that did cheat on you. So... <laughs> You bitch. <laughs> with half of the Western. The fact that she made you be there is odd. <laughs> it all first to see me. <laughs> all of those drugs are much too easy. <laughs> yes, I mean, well, when you're quite finished. <laughs> give me one reason why. You have give to take. <laughs> you have to take our word for everyone. This is really funny because we're doing a lot of this with our hands because we're doing that puppet thing, you know. Yeah, I mean, about. of course we're doing the little puppet thing. <laughs> It looks like a duck, yeah. Yeah, I'm doing that the puppet that cuckolded you. <laughs> Just for one reason why. And that's particularly pleasing because it, it looks like you had a passionate, torrid affair, which you then ended with the representation of a duck. <laughs> I never told you. <laughs> All the time. Oh, the duck's singing at me now. It's all gone confused, Adam. <laughs> the nights that I've cried the saltiest tears, the lovers who lied and stepped on my pride. I take it outside, you two. It's an absolute pitch. What a perler of a song. It is a great song. It's you. Yes, it's another barnstorm. Another five out of five on a very good album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, again, I just wish there was a few more songs that sounded yeah. like this. Yeah, uh, the, the, for the longest time, I found myself just skipping from track four to track nine, sorry, eight, and then back again. Mm. I must have done that a few times. Just, okay, Little Water Song, Tango Ballad, and Split, oh, and, I, uh, and I'm out. I, I will admit, this afternoon, just refreshing myself for this, because um, I've listened to this album a lot, but I was definitely doing a Little Water Song, Case Continues, Tango Ballad, yeah, Split. You were meant for me, and I did those songs in a sequence about five times over. That's because they're the best ones. They're the best ones, everyone. They're the best ones, everyone. And uh, I, I really feel for old Tom that he doesn't get a look in, and, and neither does Mr. Engel. But uh, I mean, Engel, I mean um, Scope J, you have to be in the mood for that one. But we'll come to that. So Punishing Kiss, which is the third and final Elvis Costello one, the, the one where the, the album takes the title from, and it's a good title. Again, given that phrase, punishing kiss, you'd expect the song to be a little harder. Yeah. Because all... what I thought is interesting, or and uh, maybe you'll be able to tell me. I vaguely remembered that Declan McManus, who is one of the people that is credited on this, hmm. uh, I thought, isn't that Elvis Costello's real name? And I've just looked it up, and it is. So Elvis Costello and Cato Reardon is his wife, isn't she? That I believe he she was in the Pogues for a bit or something. Wasn't oh, he it? producing them? And then for, from was it? And 
if I should fall from grace with God or something. Yeah, and that's and where they met. Yeah. yeah. So this is credited to, unless it's because I suppose it is a very Irish name. Unless I'm wrong, this is credited to Elvis Costello, Cato Reardon, and Elvis Costello again under his real name. Hmm. Is that because he wrote it and is performing on it, or what? But the I other, the he... other one is just Elvis Costello. It's interesting because oh, no, I don't believe he plays on it. It's very much uh, we're just handing the songs over to Uti and Divine Comedy to make what they will of them, which is quite bland in this case. Um, yeah, but. I, I do find it, yeah. I mean, to answer your question, I'm really not um, interested to hear that. But I it's honestly an odd don't one, know. Isn't it? Yeah, it, is it some kind of royalties thing? I've no idea. I've no idea. Perhaps. Oh, mm. in fairness, uh, Split is uh, credited to Neil Hannon and Joby Tolbert, also with the Divine Comedy, but that's in brackets. Mm. Uh, and then it says with Neil Hannon of the Divine Comedy. Oh, but that doesn't work because Elvis Costello, Cater Reed, and, and Declan McManus is all within parentheses. Who knows? Not me. And this conversation got tedious fast. So let's <laughs> bail out and have a look at a reasonably forgettable song. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it, it does just confound me, Adam, why on this uh, album that has moments of absolute grandeur and spectacular, why is it the three Elvis Costello songs of all the, the three forgettable throwaway ones? Well, again, I don't agree with you on Passionate Fight, but yeah. It just, I find it odd that it's those, it's the three songs written by the same guy, but for me at least, I could just happily leave. And they all, they all have, they all have a similar melody, well, not melody, sorry, tempo to them where they're all a little bit. Eh. I mean, her performance of them is still transcendent. she, she, She is flawless throughout this album. Her voice just it it matches the, the atmosphere of each song. Uti, you remain Uti. flawless throughout. Is it Uti, by the way? Yes, ain't no party like an Uti party. I mean, even if it was Ute or something, you'd still want to call her Uti, Uti Lemper. Ute, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Uti Lemper. Ute Lemper. I think it's a Fremen word, Uti. <laughs> and how can this be? For she is. I can never remember that freaking phrase. You remember it. I don't know. Oh. It's Muadib. Purple Avenue. And then we take it higher. Uh, it'd be interesting to hear Uti's rendition of, well, I mean, any Eddie Grant song, but uh, particularly <laughs> that. Out in the street there is violence. <laughs> Thought we'd agreed she doesn't sound like Nico. <laughs> that's that's the best German I can do without going to LLOLO. So, I mean, it really, that's the problem, isn't it? it? It's a spectrum of Nico to LLOLO. <laughs> you invite me to a war party. Nico, yeah. Broadly you Nico. don't want to go. War. What is it good for? <laughs> I don't know, Mr. Lugosi. <laughs> I despise! Bella Lugosi does a medley of Motown hits. Sometimes I feel like somebody's watching me. 
reflections of. <laughs> well, not me, obviously, but the way life used to be. Blair! Uh, <laughs> and now insert your own song and joke, everyone. Come on. I, I even fit vampire lore into that. <laughs> no, to be fair, well done. Well Come done. on. Pull that out my ass. <laughs> reflections. <laughs> Come on. Okay, sorry, sorry. I didn't let that land as it should have done. Let's give Adam a second, everyone. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> I slow down Purple Avenues. It's not the tune. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, I like listening back to this today. It was the only song in the album where I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot this one. I quite like it. It's another one that's got a one really, really spectacular and very Tom Waits lyric in it. It's the one I text you. Oh, yeah. So I'm yeah. just going to bring up the uh, lyrics myself here. An ounce of prevention's worth a pound of cure. Hmm. I mean, that's the sort of lyric where Tom Waits wrote it and then took the rest of the afternoon off. <laughs> Kathleen, I go for drive. <laughs> get in my boom box. Because he does, he, he, does drive, he does drive around like he's in the Flintstones making his own car noises. Yeah, with his son in the back doing additional car noises. <laughs> yeah. And you really can just hear Tom Waits singing this song as well. I spill myself another drink. I count the whiskers in the sink. Tons of drinks in this. The orchestra yeah. blind. Yeah. The orchestra's blind, everyone. I, I like to drink while they're cold. Yeah. And all I've got is empty pockets now. I'm assuming he's also done this one? Yes. Yes, yes, of course he has. Waste yeah. not, one not. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure as well, Scarlett Johansson covered a couple these two songs, these two Waits ones on her bizarre Tom Waits cover album. Yes, a uh, completely superfluous Tom Waits <laughs> cover album. I mean, thank you, Miss Hansen. It's very lovely, but why? And why oh, is that? Oh, oh, I see. It's because you could. Yeah, and, and David Bowie's here as well, doing backing vocals. Well, we all know why he was there. Because he was a show pony of a man, and Scarlett Johansson was the hot ticket. I wasn't sure if it was because a certain Mr. Tony Visconti helped produce it. I don't well, know, did it? Probably, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was somewhere in the background, everyone. Yeah. Yeah, I'm here, just producing and... Uh, available for any documentaries that anybody may want to make about this project. Yeah. Tony Viscani, famous documentarian. Fuck up. <laughs> it's good to see you again, Tony. Have a drink. A, a pleasure. Okay. Welcome to the party. Mr. Ballard's over there. It's, uh, we're not really doing that anymore, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's squeeze box. It's It sounds... Actually, I'd say out of all the songs on here, I know we said some of them you can sound like you can hear the artist's voice in it. This is the only one I'd say, even musically, you could yes. just you, you could just literally put Tom Waits' voice on this, and it would sound like a Tom Waits song. Oh, I, I do think Little Water Song is is a case for that as well. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I really, really do. I Actually, also, now you say that, you could you could totally just put Scott Walker's voice in Scope J as well. I I think they basically did, and then they just <laughs> tuned it up. <laughs> 
So I, I want you to sing it like this. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Hail Southern California. Do you like Bergman? I'm drinking Perno in the springtime. And he was. <laughs> Uh, but before we get to Scott Walker's crazy medley, uh, you were meant for me. Again, a very. This this feels like a bit of a sister piece to the case continues, because they have that very divine comedy sound to them again, which is all just thundering dramatics. I don't know and what I'm, any of the French lyrics mean. Uh, probably but... the lyrics in English, probably. Uh, well, the... No, that can't be right. Oh, because the like, Lumiere is light, isn't it? What is the character in Beauty and the Beast? Versus... Is she, is she naming her favourite characters? Uh, Derriere, I believe to be arse. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I don't think those are the... Uh, arse lights the green. English lyrics. Uh, but the certainly the English lyrics seem... Are they like a straightforward love song to you? No, no, I always took this as a very dark stalkering song. The spurned lover who is just telling uh, the, the object of her affection that... Oh, no, yeah, no, you're right. That does check out. Yeah, 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 but, yeah, but, yeah. but they, they will be hers one way or, or other. And, yes, yeah. my darling, try to face the fact that the only thing you lack, lack is me. Is it me. Is me. Me, Tony Viscani. Yeah. Yeah, and this one is full-blown camp theatricality. Yeah, it's superlative. <laughs> yeah, superlative. And again, that favourite thing of mine, it, it starts off sounding like it's recorded for an old gramophone. It's got that scratchy noise. And then by the end, it's full-blown crescendo orchestra and she's screeching and screaming and howling. Basically yeah. saying how in every single place she'll they'll, they'll see her. This is basically a Fatal Attraction song. Great. Yeah. Sur, sur la terre, sur la terre. La terre is the earth. Bloody Poirot's at work here. How are the little grey cells going? I'm what? trying to it's so, I could just look it up. Yes, but you I'm know enjoying, what I'm gonna do? I'm enjoying gonna, the puzzle. Right, you do I think... that. I'm going to quickly look it up and just put it in Google Translate. Chez moi la nuit. Uh, house my night. Je, je t'attend derrière. Le pot I don't know. I I got an E in French. It's, it's been my lowest GCSE by a mile. Come to my house at night. I'm waiting for you behind the glass door, and I turn off the light. Okay, so derriere just means behind. Yeah. Okay, not not arse. <laughs> when you were thinking of the word derriere, were you thinking of Maison Derriere from The Simpsons? <laughs> yeah. Maison Derriere. Yes. Yes, I was. What my search friend did uh, throw up, um, apart from my lunch is this album seems to have a different track listing in some regions. Really? 
Interesting, yeah. I mean, Scope J remind, remains firmly there as the monolith at the end. <laughs> Doesn't it, though? It's just, um, but this version I'm looking at opens with The Case Continues, which, as I said before, it would make a great opening. And Little Water Song is bundled away as track four. Okay. Do you think that's possibly to do with uh, the profile of Nick Cave in those, well, and the other people in uh, various territories? I don't know. Do you think it's just a very direct reaction to our thoughts and feelings here today, Adam? Yes, I think it is. But Nick Cave is, in this country, uh, is very much the broadsheet sweetheart, isn't he? More so than Neil Hammond is. Yeah. If you... Like on the front cover, yeah. Uti Lemper, Punishing Kiss, Songs By. Oh, and who's that at the top of the list? Why? It's your friend of mine, Australia's favourite son, Nicholas Cave. I mean, it, it is also because it's alphabetically in that list. Yeah. But <laughs> also, I, I, I think it's also to do with the status. I mean, yeah, at that point, other Kurt than... Mile, right down the bottom, because he's European. Yeah, other than the Divine Comedy, who I'd say in 2000 were... They were still riding off National Express success. Yeah, they will have been, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Nick Cave still... That's post-Boatman's call. Yeah, it's post the uh, the rehabilitation. I, I think this is just on the cusp of the coming out of re- rehab and... Uh, no more and shall we part. part. Yeah, which will be oh, the year after this. No more shall we part. Look forward to covering that at some point. Oh, you gush over that. <laughs> yeah. There's quite a few bad seeds albums we're probably going to do in Gush Over. Yeah, You Weren't Meant For Me, I think it's a, uh, it's a quite a spectacular. Sorry, I got it's... distracted by reading the lyrics to Scope J and thinking, he can't help himself. <laughs> All right, so we see, you. I think You Were Meant For Me could, again, be the final track, but because it, it really fades out in such dramatic fashion, it, it, it is almost like, you know, that Michael Myers figure who is you know you think is dead but won't go away and yeah the narrator here is basically saying she's going to be lurking forever and oh you're fucked it could Um, easily be the end of the record it really could but when you have a 10 minute Scott Walker scope J in your back pocket or um the elephant in the room here uh it really could be the only way to finish off the album I think like he he just turned up so um (laughs) Hey, I've I've got you a song, and they they really couldn't turn it down because he's Scott Walker. Scott Walker. Okay. Um. Do we, Uti? Do we we have to do this one? Yeah. He'll be he'll be upset. But honestly, uh, is it even a song, or did he just send us these fragments of words again? Yeah. If we want, just, we can go through the lyrics quite quickly. The Russians are going, the Russians are going, departing like merchants, dragging the contours into the never-settling snow. Behold, not a possum. Nothing to sneeze at. A ruble left spinning. Ruble keeps spinning. Oh, where is a sombre reverie? Fingered. But I I won't won't be soiled. (laughs) I won't beg or lift my voice. And I, I won't be soiled. The sun will never rise. But I will never see it. Oh, no, I will see it. <laughs> of course, Adam. Spilling down the slave ships cross the bay. A tear will never fall. 
But I will feel it. Gliding on the cheekless. Gliding on the cheekless. Please. (laughs) Cut her to ribbons again. Long flowing ribbons again. I'm wearing the wire. On the outside grows Grows the fur side. side. On the inside grows the skin side. I mean, that's very Scott Walker. And that just goes on and on. Yeah, doesn't it, though? Oh, well, it's actually much more lyrics than I realised. But yes, um, as you can gather from that, it's very, um, how should we put it, avant-garde? <laughs> Extract from the Sleeping Bag Poem by Herbert George Ponting, featured in the film Scott of the Antarctic. I was, I was just going to say that. Oh, that's got to be skin side, fur side, that business. Yeah. Well, is he, is he literally just giving the instruction of how you skin a buffalo or something? I mean, not in the Antarctic, obviously, but... I'm not an outdoorsman, Adam! I mean, neither am I, but it 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 is instructions on how to use a sleeping bag in the Antarctic. Mm-hmm. And this Scope J you speak of, uh, where can I see it? I have absolutely no idea what this is about. The Russians are going. The Russians are going. Uh, are, they, fairness, are they going? I've, I've never understood a, a... I don't think I've understood a single Scott Walker song since probably Scott Four. Is it? Is it? Is it people being sent to Siberia? I mean, possibly, but at no point does he say they're going. By the way, everyone, in the interest of clarity, they're off to Siberia. I mean, now I remember my uh, revolution history lessons. I think "Behold, not a possum" was a Trotsky phrase. <laughs> I don't. I don't even know if you're joking. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say I'm not. And then he would tell the proletariat it's nothing to sneeze at. Yes, he would. Um, what people don't remember about the Communist Manifesto is the constant references to being soiled by fingering. <laughs> yeah, you don't want that to happen. <laughs> With the finger, then the finger is dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I like that towards the end he says, please cut her to ribbons again. Oh, why not? Oh, come on again. I like the... This sounds like... Um, part of this just sounds like Chinese translations of, you know, popular sayings. Oh, Early birds will not resolve the issue. At <laughs> <laughs> this point, with Scott Walker just getting phrases from fortune cookies and such. Yes, yes, he would. As runners leap to fly, tree climbers glide to ground. Then how true those words are even today. A dichotomy there, I think. Yes, so, I mean, you must be thinking, in ten minutes, how does it sound musically? Very weird. It it, it (laughs) starts with just a very lone piano. So I think the opening is a good, like, two minutes of just a single piano and Uchi Lemper's voice just say, the Russians are going, in a very echoey chamber style. And then at times, you just get discordant guitar riff playing. Um, weird. Hell, did he produce this? Yeah, he did, yeah. Scott Walker produced Punishing Kiss. No, he produced this song. But it just says, executive producers David Sefton, producers John Jacobs, Scott Walker, and Hal Vilner. I think Hal Vilner might have produced um, the Tom Waits ones. 
Because yeah. Hal Vilna recently uh, died just before the release of uh, Our Angel-Headed Hipster, the new Mark Bolan collection. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which does have a lovely cover of Nick Cave doing Cosmic Dancer. Oh God, yes, that's excellent. You played that last time I saw you. Yeah, yeah. Because we 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 have the fun, everyone. He he makes that song more heart wrenching than it was ever intended. (laughs) (laughs) It needs to be really. Yeah, quite so. Yeah. Yeah, because also was the first side on the inside. Also, the next is uh, a version of Lullaby, which would end up appearing on Scott Walker and Sun Soused. Oh, Sun Ooh. Yeah, Sun Ooh. And so there's a Scott Walker collection called Five Easy Pieces, which came out uh, around 2005 or something, and that has Scope J and Lullaby on it. So you got the a version. That any of them are easy pieces. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's probably the joke. But... Yeah. So you got um, Uti Lemper's version of Lullaby on that, and I think that's the only place you can find a copy of that. So that's quite a nice curio to have. Because, <sighs> uh, yeah, then Scott took that himself and finally recorded his own version a good 15 years later. And it sounds much darker. Darker. Mysterious. But yeah, um, it just is such a bizarre song, even just with her voice. And it, again, she just goes. Ugh. I think it, it's not a bad song by any means. Oh no, I no, no! I think the way my it, criticism, it. the criticism of it would be that her version of it is almost redundant because mm. it's it sounds note for note like it would if he sang it and it was on tilt. Yeah. That's the thing. It, it really does the sound like she's a facsimile here for Scott Walker because he didn't fancy singing himself that particular week. Yeah, like she's just doing like a, you know, the, the vocal track. Yeah, you know, like um, in a lot of later Woody Allen films, he often writes parts that in the 70s he would have been performing himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just whoever's doing the role is doing a Woody Allen impression. Oh, I see. You're here performing the Woody Allen material. Yeah, yeah. it's a bit like that. Oh, here, Miss Uti Lemper is performing the part of Scott Walker. Join us where Miss Uchi Lemper will be performing the role of <laughs> sounding like a surprised ghost. It's Scott Walker. Oh, hello. Oh, goodness me. <laughs> Heavens, people. But yeah, no, it's, it, it sounds like we're being down. I actually do like Scope J, but it's very much a song you have to be in the right mood to listen to it. You can't just throw it on and expect to happen to, around you. You kind of sit no. there and have to actually give it your time in the full 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And it, you know, it does use its 10 minutes quite well because at times it's very sparse and it leaves itself a lot of room. And then at other times, there's a whole lot going on. Yeah, so it's, just... it's borderline like uh, skeletal. And yeah. then it's, uh, it's really quite thunderous the next. Yeah, it becomes quite c- cacophonous with everything going on. Like you've got get, like, quite industrial guitar, just uh, thundering drums. What you say? You've got sort of discordant industrial guitar just going... Well, then and the vocal comes in. It's all like, yeah, it's weird. It's, uh, yeah, it sounds like a Scott Walker song, doesn't it? Yeah, it sounds a bit like most of the drift. Yeah, most of it. Well, <laughs> I, lo- I like that. 2.5 second riff you had there. We're just going to repeat that and put some. Can you do that? Could you do that like 25 times? And then I'll go 12, 25 times and I'll go. 
Ooh, over it. 25, 25 times, 25 hey, maybe times. I'll even just sing the instructions. <laughs> I'm pretty oh. sure he did that fish bosh. Oh, bless him. Bless his heart. I did love him. I mean, you've got to admire a man that amount of musical balls. Oh, yeah, yeah. As, as an artist, there are few that can hold a torch to him but uh, certainly at this point he had a very definite style he had a vision and it's people going dee, 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 25 <laughs> a pound for the shillings just you know an odd phrase <laughs> <laughs> i think the main thing with, with this album it's i i think it's an incredible achievement from uti lempers have actually gone out and got this collection of songs from this collection of oh, writers. Yeah. It's a pearl. As um, I say, I listened to it on YouTube and then immediately went out and bought a copy. Mm. I say went out. I went on eBay. <laughs> but it's complete. I would, anybody that is listening to this that doesn't have it, dear God, listen to it. It's brilliant. If you yeah. like any of those people, this is a masterpiece of a record. I mean, conversely, I know that to some people that might read like a list of, oh, good God, no, I wouldn't touch out of a barge pole. I can understand that. In uh, which case? Yeah, so I think some people would read that list and go, ooh, not for me. But if, if any of those people float your boat, I mean, even the songs which I, I'm a bit down on, I think, I think there, there will be people out there who will probably think oh, they're the standout songs on there. Absolutely. I think if you're, if you're the sort of person that, if you're a bigger Elvis Costello fan than you are, a Nick Cave fan, for example. I don't really understand that, but I, I can respect it. Hmm. And um, you should absolutely dig in because you'll probably find stuff in it that we we haven't done. Yeah, and there the are, main there's a layered album. I mean, the main reason I did want to kind of bring it up at the party was just because it is such a, a it, it really is a hidden gem in that album, and it's even fans of these people's music don't really know it exists. No, or if they, and if they do, they kind of haven't got round to it. And I really would just stress: yes, you need to listen to this album because there's at least three absolute classic songs on here. Little even if you songs, don't, in case continues. Even if you don't know those people, which would be baffling, if you just like, I mean, it, like I, I know my sister, for example, is not a fan of any of those people, but she's a huge musical theatre fan, mm. and there's there's such a lot of there's such a performative element to the song oh, yeah. that I really think she'll dig it. You know, if she can be asked to listen to it, and there I is think a, she'll really, really like it. There is a great meeting of worlds here with Uti Lemper's very like theatrical voice and the, the kind of the trappings that the, the, trappings. the, the trappings the producers have kind of brought to the songs to kind of accommodate that style. But they're still very much. Uh, I'm not going to say rock or pop songs or anything because like, none of them are, but. No. Oh, they're written, yeah. they're, the, the lyrics are written in that vernacular. I wonder why Dear David didn't get involved. 2000s? I mean, no, hours. We've had hours, David, at that point. Uh, and, probably, uh, probably for the best. Yeah, probably. Hours <laughs> here. They supply a song, but they, they quietly just pretended his email hadn't arrived. <laughs> Hello, it's me, David Bowie of Bowie <gasps> <Net. Fine. gasps> Here's a song. <sighs> <laughs> <clears throat> so, yes, yeah, so 
I I would really recommend if you if you haven't heard it. I mean, you oh. might have that from the last hour, but wholeheartedly yeah, endorsed. If you Completely haven't heard it, yeah, you you must. I urge you to make it your next listen stream poiches. Uh Yeah, please do and fill your boots. And because yeah, like I say, Little Water Song for me is one of my. It's probably probably my top fifty songs ever. Which I know sounds like a big um, pretentious list, but quite a lot of songs in there I quite like uh, it's an absolute it's a beaut isn't it Little Water Song is the winner yeah absolutely. but I enjoy uh, Tango Ballad and Split hugely oh as yeah well. and the case continues yeah those three songs just have such bombacity to them it, yeah, it's yeah. just you can't you can't ignore them So, yes, that's it for this particular party. It's a different change of pace from the darkness last week. And <laughs> I mean, it's made me look like a right shallow knob. <laughs> <laughs> well, Adam, let's see how shallow your knob may be next week as we spin the wheel. Spin it, boys, spin it. Mike. Oh, it's me again. Oh, that's a surprise. Well, blow me down. I wasn't expecting that. Who who would have thought that would be that, that little... Well, God. If only there was some way of predicting it. <laughs> well, Adam, I'm going off-piste for the next album pick because I'm going to choose an artist who I know a lot about, but I've never actually sat down and listened to one of their albums. So this will be fresh listenings for me and you because I definitely know you've never listened to them. Okay. I'm going to pick Gigi Allen. <laughs> Famed coprophile Gigi Allen. <laughs> Gigi Allen and the anti-scenes Murder Junkies. Oh. Oh, that, uh, sounds, that sounds awful, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of... I, I feel like I've shot myself in the foot here, potentially. Uh, I'll go into it more next time, but I know of Gigi Allen more than I've listened to his yes. music. I, I've watched the film Hated. So I, I I know what the music sounds like because I've seen it perform live, and I've also been on YouTube and. So sorry, what's that film? Hated. Hated. Yeah. Is that actually him, or is it somebody playing him? No, it's a documentary. Um, oh, a documentary. Yeah, directed by Todd Phillips, now of Joker fame. Oh, great. Yeah, uh, and on on YouTube as well. I don't know if it's still there, but you can famously see uh, an hour home footage of the, the evening before he died of him just roaming the streets of New York after getting kicked out of a gig looking for drugs. Good. Uh, and, well, let's not forget that that is, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for any of his family's loss, but that's the tender poet who gave us uh, track 14 of the album, the album you've chosen, I Want to Fuck the Shit Out of You. Ah, uh, yes, like Leather Cohen's here again. I mean, it's going to be a sweary old episode, isn't it? Well, Adam, we're also we're, we'll have to discuss a dead fuck. Um, what else do we have here? Sister sodomy. That sounds good. Rape, torture, terminate, and fuck. Ah, uh, cock on the loose. Drink from the pissing snake's mouth. Interestingly, uh, cock on the loose has a little uh, little brackets next to it, suggesting that there are explicit lyrics. 
Whereas I want to fuck the shit out of you does not. <laughs> but I'm willing to suggest that's probably got one or two naughty words in it as well. Or after all, you cannot talk about fucking the shit out of somebody without one or two pieces of Anglo-Saxon. Let it not be said, Adam. So yes, I'm not quite sure why. It, it's popped in my head the other day. I was like, do you know what? I don't want us to just be a complete love fest. And each time we talk about albums, we just gush over. So let's throw let's throw a grenade in here. I might have picked quite a big grenade for this first time. Yeah, trying. yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I, haven't, I haven't heard a note of this in my entire life. I, and yet I'm willing to guess that at best, I will be ambivalent about two songs. And the rest of them will be... As, that is bad. <laughs> Still, again, what a what a dramatic change of pace from oh, the yeah. lavish theatrical labour of love that is punishing Kiss to Ooh. something that I assume sounds like it's been recorded in a sock. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's we're gonna kind of try and keep it fresh for you here, everyone, each episode. So uh yeah, I'm I'm a bit worried now. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, thank you so much for listening. And you know, if you please, by all means, if you want to, you know, I was going to say sing along, but listen along with us next time. It'll be Gigi Allen and the Anti Scenes Murder Junkies. And if you want to chat to us about anything we talked about today or any other episode, you can hit us up on Twitter at Party Listen. We're on Facebook as well as the Listening Party Pod, and we're also on Instagram. Um, as the listening party on there, I believe. And as I threw in in the episode, we're also listening party at gmail.com. And that's all the place. Adam, have you got anything you want to plug? Any other things you do? <laughs> He's looking around his room for something to plug. Uh, well, I can see a copy of Worcestershire now, which somebody's put in my letterbox. So uh, I mean, I can go through that. But, uh, like some kind of freedom movement. Worcestershire now! <laughs> yeah, just more Worcestershire now. <laughs> Please. Uh, no, I have nothing I would like to plug yet. Although, I'm not, very much an iron in the fire. Ooh. What about you? Anything you want to plug to uh, Vast Legions? Oh, I, I, I do have something, but I'm going to plug it next time. Because I'm going to leave an air of mystery around it. I'm sure people will be... Indifferent at best. Champing at the bit. Well, until next time, where we're going to... It remains to be seen what kind of time we have, everyone, where we've discussed Gigi Allen. But for now, I hope you enjoyed Uti Lemper's Punishing Kiss. And we'll see you next time, my loves. (laughs) 